0: Orange man. I'm rockin' noise, man. Always got a rock, always that's a side roll. uh I'm rockin' noise, man. Burda, I'll be rocking with the rock those. I'm rockin' noise, mate. Uh-huh. Always got a rock, always that's a side roll. I'm rockin' noise, mate. You see, I'll be rocking with the rock. Welcome back once again, Orange Weekly Faithful and all of to you Broncos country. Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Orange Weekly podcast. We have a great podcast for you guys. I am joined today by our by co-host Matt as well as the host of the Broncos Orange Weekly post-game podcast Tanner. Uh, hey guys, how you guys doing today?
1: Doing good, Jared. How are you?
0: Not not bad, not bad. Uh, the best part about the off season, I'm thinking, is that uh, there's no way to analytically decide whether or not we're making good decisions because there's no win loss column.
1: That's true. That's yeah.
0: true. Yeah. yeah. So keeps the everything low. we yeah, do we is got... good now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I'm going to look at it. I was trying to go on an eight game win streak after the buy, and that didn't work out so hot for me, <laughs> did it. Um, All right, we have a lot to talk about today, guys. Obviously, with the NFL, we'll get into that first, and then we'll go ahead and talk about the coaching situation for the Broncos uh, a little bit later. But let's start with the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. And uh, what I'm thinking was probably the most boring playoff round I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, Matt, Matt, what did you think about all that? Uh,
2: I I agree with you completely. I think other than maybe the New Orleans and the— Philadelphia game every game was just a blowout and just you know uninteresting really I do think the best teams made it to the next round um maybe other than the Patriots and Chargers matchup but uh, the Patriots just they 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 earned that victory so I think the best four teams are up there and I hope this weekend's going to be way more interesting but yeah last week was boring for sure
0: yeah, the one thing, let's talk about that game real quick. So the, the Chargers and Patriots, obviously, was probably the biggest blowout. I mean, that game was over after the first three drives. Yeah, And I what I think that really shows is the, the young coaching of the Chargers being just outcoached by Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick had that week off, and he just demolished that Chargers defense, which was supposed to be one of the greatest – out there at the time uh Tanner do you have any 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 thoughts on that
1: yeah it it looked like to me that you know New England didn't do anything real fancy I mean Brady barely threw the ball past 10 to 15 yards downfield they were just (laughs) doing their dink and dumps and then they were just challenging the Chargers to make tackles and the Chargers just were tackling so poorly especially early in the game James White was just having a field day Edelman you know Hogan all those guys I could go on and on uh but uh yeah, it, it it really did show just how inexperienced the Chargers Chargers coaching staff was compared to, you know, Belichick, Mc McDouche or McDaniels, I guess we I can call him <laughs> by, by his proper name. Uh, and and all those guys. So uh, yeah, now it now it sets up a matchup I'm sure we'll get into that a lot of Broncos country just doesn't know who to root for if anybody.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely talk about the the, the the next round, the championship round here in a second. But I I do want to mention too, living in Southern California, and I know I mentioned this in the Orange Weekly chat too, um, living in Southern California, I was listening to the radios down here and the the news talk and the sports talk down here, and they were going to town on Phillip Rivers. They were not happy with the way that he showed out and he played, and they're talking (laughs) about how this game could have tarnished everything for his Pro Bowl or for his um, uh, Hall of Fame jacket that he could have possibly gotten just because he played a play so poorly. He's never gotten really a ring. And the way the NFL is going nowadays with the numbers that guys like Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff are putting up. uh, I mean, the numbers that he has right now, by the time he's eligible for that jacket are going to be the norm. Do you guys think that Philip Cryessa rivers is going to be uh, a hall of fame jacket owner.
2: No, not for a long time. Um, I just thought he doesn't have the Super Bowl wins. He doesn't have the playoff wins. He's gotten great seasons throughout his career, but he's never really taken it to the next step. And this year, he had a great team. You know what I mean? It's not as if like, there was excuses around the great experience coordinators. Like It was a good team overall, so I don't think he'll make it to the Hall of Fame yet. He might you know, down the road, because he did still establish himself as a solid starter with one team for over a decade, and he deserves credit for that. He'll be in an, a Chargers you know, Hall of Fame, the Ring of Honor, whatever it is, but I can't see him in Canton.
1: I sure I sure hope not. Hope he doesn't make it. Uh, I mean, he's my he's my least favorite uh, professional athlete. But I agree with Matt. I think he will eventually get in. But I think you know, uh, assuming he doesn't get any Super Bowl rings, I think that's what keeps him out at least for the fir- first few years. But uh, I got a question for you guys. Do you think he has a better chance to get in early or Eli Manning?
0: I, I I'm with Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Yeah, he, yeah he's got two Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, he's got two Super Bowl wins, and yeah, he's, he's definitely fallen off towards the back end here, but so did Brett Favre. True. Um, I mean, I mean we, got, we could go on and on about, about uh, players that just played a little bit past their prime, and mm-hmm. granted, his prime ended a little earlier than most quarterbacks' prime, yeah. but um, yeah, he still has the Super Bowl wins. He still has the game-winning drives that, uh, that Philip Rivers just doesn't have. He doesn't True. have any of that.
2: Yeah. and yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I see Eli Manning making it way before Philip Rivers, way before.
0: Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. And, and seeing as they probably will retire around the same time frame. Yeah, I think Eli is a first to second ballot. I think Philip Rivers is going to have to wait until it's just a bad class. Yeah. <laughs> on, Absolutely. Uh, and, and there's nobody else left. So, um, OK, let's let's move over to the other side. So uh, obviously uh, last week we talked about we thought Indy had this awesome defense and that they were going to go in they were just going to spank up on them and uh, up on Kansas City and it just it could not it didn't come to fruition and and uh, what, what do you think fell apart there the weather
2: Okay. Yeah, I think it was because it was so cold and Indy plays indoors all the time that they just were thrown off their game. I saw Eric Ebron. This guy was a machine all year and he was dropping easy balls, especially early in the game. And stuff like that doesn't happen unless there's a, a stressor on you. And I think the cold and the wind and the snow really threw the Colts off because this was not the same Colts we've seen all year.
1: Yeah, uh, living in Indiana, it's been a, a interesting couple of days. You know, a lot of Col- <laughs> a lot of Colts fans are really disappointed. I'm disappointed for a different reason. They are, you know, because being a Broncos fan. But, uh, yeah, I think it all goes back to early on, like you mentioned, uh, Matt uh, Ebron's drop on third down on the first drive. If you remember back in the Houston game, they got like a third and eleven or third and twelve right away, but then they converted it with Ebron uh, coming up with a catch if he catches that ball if they can get a drive going maybe maybe things turn out a little differently but the fact that they had they had to punt it right away and then Kansas City jumped on them so quick I don't think yep. the Colts really knew how to respond and like I like Matt said I I think the weather played a role and um, yeah it just the Colts just didn't look prepared uh, their offense looked so bad and and, and, and got to give, unfortunately, some credit to the Kansas City defensive backs. They played a really good game and made Andrew Luck hold onto the ball a lot longer than he wanted to many times because they just weren't letting guys like T.Y. Hilton get open downfield. And, uh, yeah, just really, really bad time for the Colts to drop an egg.
2: Oh, definitely. I think you, you bring up a good point, too, with the Chiefs defense because I think they were the biggest surprise out of this entire weekend, how well yeah. they played. Even the, uh, the game day commentators, they, they didn't know what to say. You know this Chiefs defense finally came together, and I didn't expect them to win. I thought the Colts were going to win just because the Chiefs defense has been so bad all year. Um, but they made a good point in that most of the season the Chiefs defense were playing against a team that was behind, so they had to air it out. They had to go with their biggest plays right away, so it skews the stats. But you know, nonetheless, I you know I I didn't see it coming, and their their defense really stepped it up.
0: Yeah, from an analytic point of view, too, that Eric Ebron drop uh, obviously. Other than converting on third down and possibly scoring on that first drive to get a little bit of momentum, just uh, you know, non tangible momentum, that also is a huge thing for coaches. That offensive coaching staff could he catches that ball and now he's not afraid, as afraid to throw the ball downfield to get him open into what they normally play. They had to completely change their playbook from what they're used to playing in Indy or uh, you know anywhere else that's not you know 15 feet of snow. And uh, I think that really played a huge, a huge part of it because that offense just did not look like Indianapolis's offense it, it honestly it looked like they had to completely change it the week before knowing that there was going to be a snowstorm
2: yeah I think they got outcoached and um, yeah I think it just Casey just showed up at the end of the day they just showed up and they played the better game I think it's yeah. really what we can put it down to because they were playing in the same weather you know
0: all right, so let's switch over to the NFC side. Are any of those two games, other than the Philly game, I do want to talk about that Philly game last. Uh, is there anything you guys want to touch up on on that other game? You guys think anything, uh, anything out of the ordinary happened? Obviously, it was it was not uh, a very close one. But do you guys have any any thoughts on it?
1: It was nice to see Talib hasn't changed, dropping that f bomb on live TV after the game. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about. Like, okay, so obviously Wade Phillips a keep to leave and then c j anderson c j anderson showed out oh, yeah. in in the, in the in, i guess lack of absence but uh he was only in for a couple because he's still halfway injured. Um, uh, what's their girly mm-hmm. he was only in there for a few few drives but man cj anderson just still looks like he's got it and to be dropped you know obviously we got rid of him for different reasons we didn't get rid of him because we didn't think he was a good running back we just we were ready to move on but to be dropped by the carolina panthers and the oakland raiders to get your chance to go play i mean i'm, I'm super happy for that guy
2: yeah definitely
1: Just another case of the Raiders giving up on a good player.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Strike
0: (laughs) three, I guess. I don't know how many times now. Anderson was on
2: how many teams this year? Was with the Panthers, the Raiders? Panthers and Raiders. That's it, Mm -hmm. eh? Yeah, they messed out. But I think the fact that he had fresh legs and he was hungry for a win and to play football really played uh, in his favor. And he he played lights out. The last couple games of the season there, too, like, wow, it, it was just awesome to see him rumble down the field again.
1: In that Rams offensive line's hungry. I mean, they've been mm, kind of oh, called yeah. called out all playoffs, and it, I thought it was really cool to see a guy like Whitworth, who'd been in the league for so many years, finally get his first career uh, playoff win. That was pretty mm. cool.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, all of the the media have been including us last week on the podcast were given so much props to that Dallas defensive, uh, you know, front seven and how they have these two young linebackers and then Lee and uh, they have all these guys that could just stop the run. And they just, I mean, they never got away from it. They just kept it on the ground and it just worked. Yep. Yeah. We were hyping
2: them up. The Cowboys defense were playing really well. You know, we can only really bet on what we know, but at the end of the day, the Rams offense just showed up. They learned from their mistakes in the last little stretch of the season and they, they came out and they were hungrier than the, the Cowboys were. The Cowboys, I remember the day before the game, the, the headline came up. They're going to sign um, a Garrett to a long-term extension. This is the coach of the future and all that. And they, boom, they drop an egg. They lose the game. So I think the, yeah. in, in their heads, they might have already won. You know, they came into it thinking they had already won and, and they got uh, they got showed up, which I'm pretty happy about. Any day that makes Jerry Jones sad is a day that makes me happy. <laughs> Uh, but it's yeah. Again, I think the best team won out the entire weekend, and they did it with the running game. You know, old old school traditional football.
0: Yep. So uh, number one and two seeds all the way across the board. Now let's talk about that New Orleans game. And and last week, and I, I'm going to eat my words on this, but it almost happened. Uh, you know, I was I was a huge proponent of the Philadelphia, the the momentum and the energy and going in there and. Um, and they had it, man. That, that first two scores off the bat, I was like, this is it. I mean, they're going to put him to rest. Uh, obviously, you can never count out the New Orleans Saints at home. Um, let's talk about that last drive and the drop. Nick Foles still looks like an amazing quarterback. He was ready to – if without that drop, he was still making great passes. That was still a great throw. He just didn't – Alshon Jeffrey just did not get his head around fast enough. Um, what what do we think about Nick Foles? Other, first two drives obviously was great that last drive was looking good but everything in the middle kind of just looked stagnant was that a Nick Foles thing or was that a Doug Peterson thing
1: oh uh, that's a good question I think it's kind of combination of both a little bit um but I'd say it's more of a Nick Foles thing on, yeah. on for this game uh yeah especially that pick um the first one he threw it was a good play mm-hmm. by Lattimore uh, Lattimore but um yeah, I mean that's a ball that a lot a lot of starting quarterbacks can find a way to complete that ball, and that was a huge momentum swing. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really entertaining game, and like you said on that last drive, it looked like vintage Nick Foles from this past year uh, was, <laughs> was coming out again. But then Alshon Jeffrey just had a crucial mistake. I mean, yeah. a ball he drops, he he probably makes that catch ninety nine times out of a hundred. But yeah,
2: yeah. The one time he drops hits it, in this big game too, but yep. I, I can't I can't blame Nick Foles for this loss because like it or not, that first quarter was lights out, but then they went three quarters. Without scoring a point, being outscored Nothing. in every single one of them. So to me, it's not really a Nick Foles' thing. Like, let's be honest, this was a Philadelphia Eagles loss. Like, yeah. the game started in their favor, but as soon as Lattimore picked off that ball, it was a complete momentum shift. You you heard the crowd; they got louder. You heard the team just kind of, you know, they 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 got back to playing their kind of football, right? It was no longer playing Eagles' game; it was now we're playing the Saints' game, and it showed. They went twenty uncontested points. So, you know, Foles threw two picks. 31 passes, 18 completions. You know, he didn't have the best game of his career, but I think the Saints, again, were just the better team. Um, I think he made some mistakes, but if if, uh, if Jeffrey catches that ball, I think we're maybe talking about an Eagles victory, but, you know, we at the end Absolutely. of the day, the Saints won, and I think they just did it by playing their own game, and, uh, and they were lucky with that pick, getting that momentum swing back in their favor.
0: Yeah, and I want to give credit where it's due to, I think, the balls of Sean Payton are hanging and he probably needs some sort of wheelbarrow to carry those around because on that drive, they were down 14, nothing. He goes for a fake punt on fourth down with the, the quarterback running back receiver that they have in that backup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go for it again on fourth and goal and get it in and, and uh, just swing the momentum completely from a 14 nothing game that you were about to punt it away again, where the crowd was just not into it, to now all of a sudden it's a 14-7 game, one score, and, uh, and they came back and that's all they needed. So credit where it's due. Sean Payton, obviously another uh, seasoned head coach. And honestly, I think of the, of the final four that are in the playoffs, there's only one coach that is not a talked about top Head coach, and that's Sean McVay, but obviously it's because he's still pretty new, and and uh, you know he's got that that different type of offense that everybody is excited for and, and young for. But I mean, look at our top; I mean, we got Bill Belichick, we got Andy Reid, we got Sean Payton, and we got Sean McVay. I mean, that's those are four coaches that you want to see in the playoffs as the final four. Oh, absolutely. Who
2: uh, who do you guys think, or who would you like to be in the Super Bowl out of these four teams?
0: Yeah, I, so uh, let's talk about the AFC first because I know this is something a lot of Broncos countries is kind of like. Who do we root for? And and uh, in my – for me, I want to root for Kansas City. Um, I want to root for Kansas City because, A, I think Tom Brady needs to retire and he doesn't need any more rings. But, B, I think that Kansas City is a one-and-done team. I think they could be a one-and-done team because now they're going to do the same thing that happened to us. They're going to win the Super Bowl and they're going to start getting picked apart in the offseason. They're going to start losing a lot. I mean, and I'll, I'll pull this up while you guys talk, but they're going to start losing a lot of unrestricted free agents in the offseason. They're going to start getting trades, offers, and um, and I think it's just going to start falling apart. Now, obviously, we have uh, the biggest Patrick Mahomes fan uh, on, on- – that side of the Mississippi, that <laughs> side of the north of north of the border. Um, but that's right. But uh but yeah what what do you guys think? Who who do you guys think on the AFC side who do Broncos not just us, but who do also Broncos country root for and why?
1: Yeah, I saw I saw a poll and it is a fascinating question. I saw a poll yesterday and it was sixty forty uh Broncos country rooting for the Chiefs, which kinda what? I have to say kind of surprised me.
2: But yeah that's yeah, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people are just, other than Pats fans, a lot of people are just sick and tired of seeing the Pats in the finals. Like, if yeah. it's it's been three years in a row now. If, if they make it this year, three years in a row, mm. you know. And before they've made it, how many times? Eight appearances. Tom Eight Brady and Bill Belichick. Yep. You know, it, it's like okay, listen, like we we need a bit of a change. Um, I think that everybody should be rooting for the Chiefs uh i think it's time to dethrone uh you know mr pretty there and tom brady but uh if you know if if broncos fans really have something against the chief and and mahomes then hey go for tom brady you know wait wait wait, what do you want us to do right they're both great but i i think the chiefs are the the team to cheer for here especially at home
0: yeah and i like andy Reid too um you know as, as much of a broncos fan as i am and as much as i can talk crap about kansas city all day but uh yeah, I, I do like Andy Reid. I think he's a very good coach, and I think he's well-deserving of the position that he's put himself in. And I think he deserves to head to the Super Bowl this year because of the team that they have and what he's done with the young quarterback that can throw no-look passes and left-handed throws while Von Miller's chasing him. Um, that, that's that's something that's that would just be the, the key for all of them, and I think that's something I want to refer. But, yeah, I'm on, I'm on your guys' side as far as I'm, I just, I'm tired of seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like, I just can't do it anymore.
1: What is this? What is this? Their eighth straight AFC Championship appearance? Oh, my yeah. God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I saw, I saw a stat too Tom Brady has more uh, playoff wins than any other quarter, top quarterback has playoff appearances.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, wow. It's, it's insane. unreal. It's like Patriots are guaranteed to make it at least this far every year. Mm-hmm. If they make the playoffs, right. they're making it this far no matter what. And the Super Bowl is not far off. Like, they just have this weird effect. You know, it's like people are afraid of the jersey. They, they're afraid of playing the Patriots. So coaches they out-coach are. themselves. Uh, you know, players aren't playing to their potential because they're just so afraid of making a mistake and being exposed that they, they, they lose track of how they can play well. Now I think what the, the Chiefs have here for this game is that they've already lost to the Patriots this year. They already know how to lose to the Patriots. They don't have to do a repeat of that. It's really hard to lose to the same team twice in this league. It's the mantra of the Orange Weekly podcast. It it really is. You know, it really is. And and, and so I think that, you know, they have an advantage there. They're going to have a lot of things they can fix up for this upcoming game. And I think that playing at home, and it's going to be another cold one, so I think that's going to play to their favor too. But I I read a stat that Bill Belichick has only been scored on um, like 40 points or more seven times in his entire career. And three of those times came against Andy Reid. So I think you know it's going to be a, a good matchup. Uh, I, I would love to see Andy Reid given another chance to win a Super Bowl, but I think it's going to be uh, it was a lot of experience in this game between Reid and Belichick. There oh, is yeah. a lot of experience, but it's really cool to see uh, you know the the royalty and Tom Brady play against the the new guy, the new challenger in Mahomes. That's going to be yeah. really nice to see who can come up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and this is where he he takes the flame too. He takes the yeah. he takes that uh, takes that over from Tom Brady. Absolutely.
1: And it'll be interesting to see if Brady can get it done on the on the road. The last three times he's traveled on the road in the playoffs, he's lost all three, and Good. all three all three were to Peyton Manning. So <laughs>
2: nice,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. Nice. And so, and let's not forget too; it's also supposed to be another cold and snowy day uh, in Kansas City. So it's another yeah. you know in in Andy Reid's wheelhouse to to play on in that snow. So we'll we'll see what happens. So okay, let's go around the horn. Uh, not who we want to win, but who do you actually think is going to win? Let's start with you, Tanner. Uh,
1: I, I do think the Chiefs are going to win. I think I think it will be a close one. I'll go with a score of, uh, uh, I'll say 34-31. I think it's going to be a close game, a really good game, but Mahomes finds a way to make a big play at the end to, to win it.
0: I like it.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go for the Chiefs as well I think at home you know on their turf and having the experience of already playing the Pats once this year I think they come up on top and I think it's gonna be on the back of Patrick Mahomes as it's been all year uh, to me it's gonna be around the same score I'm gonna say 35 to uh, 35 to 30 for the Chiefs.
0: Nice I'm, I'm gonna make it a full sweep for the Chiefs. I think it's time to pass the torch Brady uh, you know there's a new young gun in town I think he's ready to take over as the top. Um, the top guy. So uh, I I actually think it might be a a little bit of a lower score. I think just the, the planning of both of these guys, they're going to plan for everything. I think it's going to be a 28 um, let's say 27 to 28. And I think you're right. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to figure out a way to get it down and get it done in the end. All right, let's go to the NFC side. We have uh, two offensive powerhouses in the NFC and two offensive geniuses uh, in the new Orleans saints, and the Los Angeles Rams, and I, I mean, this is going to be a good game regardless of how you look at it. It's going to be high flying. It's going to be crazy scoring. Uh, what What are we looking forward to this game the most?
2: I think it's going to be the same sort of uh, thing as as we see in the AFC. We've got Drew Brees and Sean Payton. These guys have been together for over a decade, and they're you know they've always been. Um, a contender they've always been a contender and then you've got the new hot head coach and Sean McVay he's had two of his coaches leave for other teams this year you know that's that's fantastic and then you have you know Jared Goff who is is young too I think he's one year older than Patrick Mahomes so on both sides you've got like the new sort of up-and-coming quarterback against the the the, the veteran who's almost seen it all so it's you
0: know. right as as Will Smith. As Will Smith would put it, you got your old and busted and new hotness. Exactly,
2: exactly, and and the whole narrative behind that is is pretty fascinating. It's a lot of fun to watch, uh, but I think we're going to see another really just explosive game and two offenses going at it. It's going to be indoors in New Orleans, so it's going to be very, uh, very entertaining to watch. This should be the game of the weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one, and and you know one matchup I think we got to keep an eye on is is both sets of running backs. Of course, we talked about C.J. Anderson earlier. Uh, C.J. and Gurley on one side, Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram on the other side. It, it might come down to who can uh, run the ball better against the opposing defense. Uh, you know was, um, I about calling them St. Louis. La's got the uh, <laughs> La's got that nasty defensive line with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. Uh, Brockers but then uh, New Orleans might not have those household names of guys but their defense especially at home Dennis Allen's a good defensive coordinator he's getting everything he can out of those guys I mean if if they play like they did against the Eagles I I like the Saints chances but um, it's going to be a fun one to watch and uh, it's I'm personally pulling for the Saints. Uh, I, I root for the Saints every game, besides when they play the Broncos. I, uh, I went to the same school Drew Brees did, uh, Purdue University. Honest. So I'm a, I've been a big Drew Brees fan since I've since I was little. So
2: it's hard not to be a Drew Brees fan, man. Mm-hmm. This guy, yeah, he's right. a great human being. He's done so much for his community. He's always having fun on the field. It, you know, he's just such a sweetheart. You can't not like him. I'm, I'm the same page as you. I'm really hoping the Saints come out. Yeah. I, he deserves
0: another Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, he, he deserves one. He's he going does. to retire soon and he should mm-hmm. win this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's another one that always is is such a great player but always ends up being underrated every single year and sometimes it's just his defense isn't behind him. Sometimes it's it, whatever whatever the case may be, they just they can't pull it together. They haven't been able to, to since what, what we we talk about 2003. I think was the last time. Well, when when was the Super, his Super Bowl win? I think it was 2000 and uh,
1: 2000 and um the game was played in 2010. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah. It was a 2009 season though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, th- I think he deserves it. I, th- I think he deserves to get into, but uh, I mean, the Rams are hot. Oh, I mean, the Rams are, they're, they're so hot and, and they're going down to new Orleans. The Superdome is loud. They're going to have a tough time playing away in a, in such a crazy atmosphere in a championship game. I would not be surprised if just, just experience alone, took over as opposed to just pure talent and uh, excitement that you have coming with the LA Rams. Oh, definitely.
2: And, uh, you know, another thing on Drew Brees too, he's his statistically, like he's had another just amazing season. Like, you know, every year he seems to come out with a new record. Um, This one, this year, the one I want to point out is his completion percentage at 74.4%. That's, That's insane. Unreal. I think it's the highest in NFL history, but he's hit seventy over 70% completion four times in his career. Um, oddly enough, he's thrown, he only threw 3,900 yards this year, almost 4,000. So that's pretty low for him, considering he's thrown 5,000 four times as well. Uh, but overall, you know, five interceptions, 32 touchdowns, and a rating of 115.7. You know, He is just lights out. He, he's going to be on his best this week. He's going to have such a good game, I think. I'm really hoping anyways. I'm speculating. But uh, like you, Tanner, I'm, I'm a big Breeze fan. I didn't go to the same school as him. And I'm a fan of his rival, but I, I love the guy. He's he's amazing quarterback.
1: Yeah, and, and it's it's hard to believe this is only his third NFC Championship appearance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean you go back. I think it was 06 at Chicago, and then or 07 at Chicago, and then 2000, yeah. uh, 2010 against Minnesota. But but like Jared said, I mean a lot of times he's been uh, uh, on the wrong end of his defense. Like last year, I mean they had Minnesota beat and then a Minneapolis miracle happened. Uh, yeah, what One year when he played for the Chargers, I remember all Nate Kinnick had to do was make like a 38-yarder missed. And, uh, and, that, and that's what it reminded me last week when Lutz missed that kick. I said, I, I looked at my dad and I said, it's happening to Drew again. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but but uh, I, I think he's going to be focused and ready uh, to get this one. But it's going to be a good game, and uh, even if the Rams – Come out victorious, I'll root for the Rams in the Super Bowl. I mean, I it, I would like to see Wade. You know, it would be cool to see Wade get another one, Tlaib, and uh, yeah. CJ. But I, I really am pulling for uh, Drew, first and foremost.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Broncos fan in me is rooting for the Rams just because of, you sure. know, we had a lot of guys, especially from our Super Bowl 50 team, those three that you just named, you know, um, Wade, Wade, Tlaib, and CJ. But uh, I, I'd love to see him get another one. I think they all deserve it. I'm still very happy for all of them. But at the same time, you're right. New Orleans deserves it, and they got that uh, that experience. So let's let's go around the horn here. Let's talk about uh, who is gonna who's gonna win it statistically, analytically. You know, feelings aside, who's gonna win this game?
1: Uh, well, I look at their matchup earlier this year. They they both they played against each other in the Superdome, and in the Rams, and the Rams had a chance to put the Saints away in the fourth. Couldn't get it done. Saints came back and got the victory uh Last week, Philly jumped all, all on uh, New Orleans, which is a key. If you're going to win the Superdome, you got to take that crowd out of it. They got a 14 zip, that still wasn't enough. I don't think the Rams get on top of the Saints. I think the Saints come out early and, and maintain a lead. I'll go with a score of. Uh, I'm going to go 38-28 Saints.
2: Okay, big margin there. Cool. Wow, I'm, yeah. I'm going to keep it a bit tighter. I think the Saints are going to win, just having the home field advantage. And you know, I think the whole team must be rooting for Brees. You know, when you got a veteran quarterback like that, you want it's like the when Peyton Manning won Super Bowl with the Broncos, man. Every you just want Peyton to win it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that's yeah. everybody just felt for that. So um, I think it's the same sort of experience. Um, I think the Rams have a really bright future, and cool. the fact that they made it to the championship game last year, they made it to the uh, divisional round the year before. They lost in the uh, the first round of the playoffs, the wild card. So every year they're getting better, they're getting farther. But I think next year it's going to be their Super Bowl appearance, and I think the Saints win 27-24 24. It's going to be a bit tighter. It's going to be down to the last minute.
0: Yeah, I'm also hoping it's down to the last minute after last week's game, um, all the games from last week except for the Philly game. Um, I, I, my big thing is the experience. I think the experience is going to play out, and it's not only experience, but it's experience at home in a different different atmosphere. The other thing, too, is when L.A. is put up against big teams and big times, um, it doesn't seem like they can really finish out the game the way that, that you'd want them to. And I think that uh, the reason New Orleans has the home field to begin with is because of that game or earlier in the season in the Superdome. So I, I agree. I think the Saints win it based on experience, based on um, more experienced coaches. And I think that uh, they put them away. I'm, I'm also I'm going to say 32... To 30, I think it's going to be a field goal. I think they're going to be down 29-30, and I think they're going to kick a field goal to finish it at the end of the game. Nice. We're done talking the NFL playoffs. Let's talk about uh, our favorite subject in the Denver Broncos. I know a lot of people have been waiting this. Uh, so last week we talked about – so there's a lot happening. I, I mean, we know this. There's all types of things happening. If you guys haven't been following, it's probably for the best. You always want to know what the end result is. Long story short, Vic Fangio – uh, Fan Fangio, Vic Fangio is is now officially our head coach, and and uh, we had Gary Kubiak, who we thought was going to be the offensive coordinator. It was kind of named; it wasn't really announced. Uh, is gone, and he's now in Minnesota with his son. You know, he's he's trying to get his son a uh, job somewhere, and and you know, uh, Vic Fangio was not having it. So we go out and we hire Ed uh, Donatel as the defensive coordinator. And today, as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, we sign Rich Scangarello. Scangarello, okay, Scangarello. So we have uh, Rich Scangarello, and um, if you put all this, we got Fangio, Scangarello, and Donatel. We have the greatest uh, uh, Italian mobster uh, coaches in, in all of uh, in all of the NFL. It's right, the Broncos Mafia, man. And the Broncos led, Mafia, led
2: by Don Fangio himself, man. This is Don Fangio. A nasty
0: unit this year keep keep we're keeping that that's the orange weekly we're did the dawn the, yep. the dawn Fangio. Fangio that's his nickname from here he's on out he's gonna impose
2: <laughs> fear on the rest of the league man the defense is gonna be back to a top three unit the offense is gonna be very structured and disciplined man we're gonna see a good Broncos team next year it's very exciting
1: death by inches yeah. death by inches like he that's said in his it. press conference yeah, yeah.
0: he's he, he wants to get rid of it he wants to yeah. just win these games yep and, and and I love it. I love the mentality. I love the the history. I love the experience he brings to the Broncos. And like I said at the very beginning, it's great to be able to have these optimism because you know right now there's no win loss column, but it's it's it feels good to finally have that. It's not a new guy, right? It's not someone that's like, well, we don't know how he's going to play out because he was a defensive coordinator for one year on a 23rd ranked defense. So it, it's great to feel that. So uh, what are we thinking about with the hire of Rich? Scangalello I think it's a, I think it's a good mix um, You know I, I think
2: he's coming From a good pedigree Behind Kyle Shanahan uh, Last year too we, we saw that You know They went from Jimmy Garoppolo To CJ Bathard To Nick Mullins And you know, yeah, the, the 49ers, I think they're a top three pick in the draft. But nonetheless, I saw really good quarterback play from every single one of those people. And I think it, it really comes down to Scangarello being a good coach for them. Um, I think he, he's going to be in a good position, too, with Case Keenum. You know, he, he's done a lot of magic with uh, with game managers in Mullins and Bethard. And I think he'll be able to, to help Keenum out quite a bit. So I think it's a really good hire. And I think it's good to get, um, you know, a, a new face in the building, too but stay within a similar system because he's going to run stuff that Shanahan run, the zone run, the outside zone, a lot of the play action passes and he's going to keep the ball really safe. So I think the days of the timing routes and the sort of whatever offense we had for the past couple of years is gone. We're going to see something that's a bit more modern.
0: Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, I, I, I'm just recalling the game we played against San Francisco and uh, I hope he brings the way they use their tight ends with him. If you, if you guys remember that game, George Kittle could do no wrong. <laughs> that, and, of course, that was also our lack of covering the tight end. But I think uh, Fangio's going to fix that, or at least we can hope. Um, it depends right. what kind of
2: tight end we can get because I don't that's think we true. have anybody on the roster that really matches with uh no. with what Kittle has been doing. So that's true. Yeah, so that's it's gonna be hard. True. But if we can get a good player at that position, I think you're right. I think we're gonna see a lot of play from the tight end, and it's gonna be a nice relief too for the Broncos.
1: That's true. It I'm is. I'm just excited for a change uh, on the offense side of the ball. You know, I'm sick of I was sick of seeing the same thing the past three three really four years even Super Bowl 50 our our offense wasn't the greatest at times it was just our defense was unbelievable uh, right so it, it'll be nice to just see a fresh face some fresh new style of play calling and uh, and as much as I like Gary Kubiak will always be appreciative of his part in history in the Broncos history um, I, I think it's a blessing in disguise kind of addition by subtraction that he's not going to be around to uh, be the offensive coordinator
0: yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and here's my take on the whole fan um uh, hiring. And since Peyton Manning, and even with Peyton Manning there, the offense that we've been running has been very quarterback-based, right? The whole concept of it is the quarterback makes decisions to be able to figure out who's going to be open, right? We're talking about those timing routes, right? Who's who's playing off more? You kind of have to those pre-reads. What, what he brings in in that Kyle Shanahan type of offense, and even the... The, uh, the Rams offense is it's it's more of a quarterback friendly offense we're talking layers and we're talking there's gonna be two to three people open based on the, the system right? We're trying to get two people open. You're reading one to two people, What, right? You're reading linebacker to safety on the same side of the field. And when you're reading linebacker to safety on the same side of the field with three routes going there, one of those three routes is going to be open. It's much easier for a quarterback. And that's what we've been seeing. And you always have your check down. There's always a check down in these types of offenses. So this is going to be something that is completely new. It's going to be interesting for Keenum because it's going to keep him focused on on what his reads are going to be and where he's going to need to go with the ball. And it's going to be less on less pressure on him and more pressure on the system. And I really like that. And I think that he's going to bring a lot more study as far as locker room style. He's going to bring a lot more, um, you know, preparation to the offense as far as what we're looking at for the defense. Cause it just looked like, week in and week out for the last 4 years we've been running the same old stuff it didn't matter what defense we were playing we didn't matter what the strengths of that defense was and i think he's going to bring something new that we haven't seen in in a long time and that's what i'm excited for
2: yeah i think it's also it's a contract year for him too so he's playing for his future you know i think it's clear elway made a statement that he's a short term option Um, this year there's no there really isn't any worthwhile quarterbacks in this draft I'm sure somebody will turn up in a few years and be great but you know other than Haskins and Kyler Murray who are leading a lot of stories I don't see any of the next franchise guy there so you know they're going to look for someone else next year and Keenum he's not going to be there so he has to play his best in order to get a job and I think we're going to see a lot of that this year with this new system that's going to be friendly to him as you say it's going to play to his strengths more the the quicker passes the shorter balls with uh, Philip Lindsay in there two I think he's going to be used a heck of a lot more uh than he was this year and he was used a lot right so it's going to be a lot of fun to see that evolution in the offense but I think Keenum's going to be um, a lot more accountable to himself and his team just because he's got something to lose this year and uh, at the same time he's just a year older and wiser in a new system it's going to be very refreshing for him for sure
1: yeah I think a new system's got to definitely benefit Case Keenum like you guys said uh contract year I mean he's like 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 you said, Matt. He's playing for his NFL life, really. I mean, if he ever wants to be a starter again, even if it's not in Denver, going forward after this year, he's got to play pretty well this upcoming year, or he's gonna probably be a, be a backup the rest of his career. So so yeah, I think I think just a good a new face, new attitude. Uh, I think I think a new everything's gonna help Case Keenum out. I I don't think he was set up to succeed very well uh, last year with uh, Vance Joseph and. Um, and Mike um not my uh, Musgrave. I'm slipping on his first name. Um <laughs> Bill, our, right? Bill.
0: Bill. Yeah. William. Yeah, yeah and, and the other the other thing I want to touch on too with obviously the offense side, uh, you know, the Orange Weekly Twitter, we put out this whole thing about, you know, Garrett Bowles is also on his contract year. He's also the last person in that draft that's even on the team, uh, based on our terrible drafting other than the last year. Um uh, but the one thing I think that's really gonna bring light that we're going to see a lot better and i'm really excited for is that uh, the dawn is going to bring a lot more stability and uh, discipline to not just the team but especially that offensive line there's going to be a lot more discipline in the locker room there's going to be a lot more discipline in the practice field and there's going to be a lot more discipline on game day i expect our uh, penalty yards, especially on offense, that have just been killing us over and over again to just go down.
2: Well, see, speaking of the offensive line, we also got Mike Munchak coming in to take over for right. offensive line coach. Let's and talk about that. This is a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. You know, he, he used to play with, uh, with Bruce Matthews back in the day, and he is, you know, probably the best offensive line coach in the league right now. Look, look what's happened in his life when he's he went to uh, to the Titans. They had a great line when he was there, even with the Steelers last year. The Steelers' offensive line last year was. Fantastic, both in the run and the right. pass game, they were outstanding. And so with Munchak coming in, I think you're going to see a lot of the dumb mistakes. I don't think it's going to be Garrett holds anymore. It's finally going to be Garrett Bowles. You know, yeah. it's going to be a lot tighter than it's been in the past. Um, we because you know Munchak won't be the guy calling plays. He won't be the guy making a big difference. We won't necessarily hear about him throughout the year, but we're going to see the results of his coaching on the field because he's really good. And this might be. The best hire the Broncos have this year, above the head coach and the the coordinators, I think this is the steal.
1: Yeah, I th- I think the Broncos struck gold with Munchak. I really do. And and if you want, uh, uh, you know, some more reasoning, uh, Ben Roethlisberger came out this week and was saying how disappointed he was that Munchak was leaving. I mean, he was behind the scenes trying to do everything he could to keep him. So I think that's another t- telltale sign that uh Munchak's a pretty darn good offensive line uh, line coach.
0: Right. And and he's a steal alone because we I mean, we were interviewing for a head coaching yeah. job and he was he had interviews all over the place, but he decided to come us. I mean, he went from offensive line coach to one team to another. So whatever mm-hmm. happened behind the scenes, I'm not sure. Just wanted to get out of the dumpster fire that is Pittsburgh. But um, whatever the case is, we're talking. I mean, one of the best, if not the best, offensive line coaches. Uh, a guy that could go probably be an offense coordinator, head coach somewhere, and he came to, to help us out. And let's not also forget that we had still a very good offensive line. Like, yeah, we had Philip Lindsay who can get through holes so fast, but that offensive line was still playing very well, especially through the first twelve games of the season. I mean, we just decided not to run the ball, right? I mean, we were throwing forty times, and you know that's something that Broncos Country was yelling at the TV every single time, but. Uh, our, our offensive line before they got injured. I mean, I think 4 of our 5 starters on offensive line ended up getting getting put on the IR last year. They should all be coming back a little bit, you know, bruised up a little bit, but hopefully a little bit better and Munchak's going to be able to to organize that to be that much better and that much more of an elite squad on that offensive line, which I think I'm just I'm ready for. And I'm ready for it. And and let's not forget we talk about Philip Lindsay and how good he is, but we also have the the yin and yang of Royce Freeman that I feel like we didn't use enough last year as well. And he's a guy that can get the ball in the backfield and in the, in the passing in um, the passing tree and just be able to make plays as well. So there's a lot of options for these guys. And I think that's part of the reason they came down here. They see that we have a team that can succeed and that they want to be a part of making that team succeed.
2: Yeah. And I think his um, his experience too, is going to help uh, Rich gangarello you know what i mean knowing you know yeah. knowing that he's got a good offensive line coach you know this is a position i've coached and granted i've coached with kids but it's it's hard and you've got you've got five different positions you got to coach at once and you've got big personal offensive linemen man they're fun personalities but they're big and they they're a lot to manage so mike munchak coming in with his respect man i think that the whole broncos o line is just they, they were the best most improved line i think uh, this year And I think that, you know, coming into next year, they're going to be, even again, one of the most improved units. So it's going to be really,
0: really fun to watch. Yeah, and I don't want to get too far into this either, but I think we also pick up an offensive lineman in this draft. I think I, someone someone not that maybe not won't be a starter right away, but the first injury that goes down, I see we pick up an offensive lineman that could that we could plug and play, and I think that's going to help out whoever that is you know, coming up because it's a deep draft. But we'll get into that when we do our draft show. Sorry to interrupt you there, Tanner.
1: Oh, no, you're good. The only thing I was going to add was uh, not only was it one of the most improved lines, I think the Broncos' offensive line one of the most athletic lines in the league mm. and in my personal opinion I mean Garrett holds yeah he's I mean he is not where he needs to be but I think he's a very athletic tackle and hopefully Absolutely. hopefully Munchak can get his full potential out of him and uh and I and, and I'm also curious to see uh the improvement, uh, assuming he gets healthy, of Matt Paradis. I think he's the most underrated center in the league, in my opinion. So I'm excited to Absolutely. see him develop. And a guy like Connor McGovern, who, who I'm a big fan of, Connor McGovern. I thought he did a pretty good job in a tough situation last year, especially when he had to play center in uh, the wake of Paradis's, uh injury. So, so I, I, yeah, I'm really excited about the Munchak hire. Like, like Matt said, I think we might look back and say that actually was the best hire out of all the hires that the Broncos had.
2: Oh, definitely. And I think that there's there's some interesting pieces, too, coming in, in in free agency, which is something I want to move to. But like Bobby Massey, the right tackle for the, the Bears, is going to be a free agent. And I think the tie with Fangio is going to be strong. And I think with Munchak being there, I think it's going to be an attractive team for uh, for Bobby Massey, who is a, a reliable starter. Because I think Jared Veld here is um, he's not as good as he's been. You know, and I think he's just on the tail end of his career. So I think we need a change of that position. And also from the Steelers, Ramon Foster, who's a veteran offensive lineman, but he's been reliable, reliable with the Steelers. And, you know, I think we've got good guards uh, with the Broncos, but I think that Ramon Foster can bring, uh, you know, better skill than what we have right I think Ron Leary is solid on one side but the other side is always in flux so I think that you know we might see a few additions on this offensive line through the free agency and through the fact that they have you know Munchak and Fangio in there too to to attract these uh, these veterans and these players that you know that want to win right away
0: yeah, and I think that's a big part of it, too, just in general, as we talk about their system and their scheme and their leadership style, but also the respect that they have. And I, know, I touched on it last week, but the respect that they have in the league, especially Munchak. I mean, like I said, we, we talked about that being a steal, but just what he brings as far as the, the respect from the league as a coach is uh, is bar none. And and the same thing with the Don, right? So he, he brings this... Uh, this this respect from the league that people are just they want to play for him because they know that he's he's got that leadership style that people want to play for and I think that you know that's the difference between what we've had the last two years as far as yeah we're buddy buddy but I mean I'll play for you because I I have to but you know afterwards I'd I'd rather grab a beer with you as opposed to I'm playing for you because I want to play for you and I think that you're you're the guy that's going to get me to the next level and I think that's something that we haven't had in I mean since Kubiak and even arguably since Peyton Manning uh and, and that's Peyton Manning was the guy people wanted to play for Peyton. I don't know if they wanted to play for, for Kubiak. They want to play for Peyton because they wanted like when we talked about it with the New Orleans Saints thing too, like they want to play for that guy because he deserves it. And he he has that energy and he has that excitement. And I think this is the first time in a while that we can get excited that we have a coach that these teams and these players want to play for. And I think it's gonna pay huge dividends through this offseason as we're looking at free agency and even in the draft and uh, and, and everything else that comes with it and trades and all this other thing that, that we're gonna have to deal with in this offseason.
2: Now you know I spoke a bit of a, a couple free agents here that might come in on the offensive line but you know I, I quickly went through a list before uh, before this this podcast and I looked at all the free agents coming out of Chicago uh, just you know given the obvious tie with the, the XDC and there's a few that are quite intriguing. Um, namely, Bryce Callahan, the slot cornerback. He had a really good performance this year. A bit of an underrated guy, but I think he's better than a lot of people put him. And uh, Adrian Amos, the safety. Now I know the Broncos have some you know decent safety, but it's maybe a change of scenery might be necessary. Um, and then the third guy is Aaron Lynch. He's an edge rusher. Now you know I don't think Broncos need another edge rusher. I think they've got a lot of uh, you know their starters are set with Chubb and Miller. But uh, right. if anything, Aaron Lynch can be a reliable backup too and give a new face to this group. Um, so, you know, th- there's, there's interesting players on this defense that uh, could be available to come and give an upgrade uh, to help with the communication process because the communication is going to change. The play calling structure is going to change too. So if you can bring some veterans right. that know what it's about, that's going to help a lot. Uh, but one player too that I want to mention uh, that we, we, we talked a bit about tight ends earlier, I think Jesse James out of Pittsburgh could be another viable option. Ooh. He's always been a bit of a backup player. Last year, or sorry, this year was between Vance McDonald and Jesse James. And they're similar, you know, good blockers, okay pass catchers. You know, they've got a lot of talent. And I think that, uh, you know, Jesse James could be an upgrade. To uh yeah. to the Broncos and I think it's he's fitting to the Broncos mafia like Jesse James this name's is, is, is in history as a criminal man he brings <laughs> a notoriety here we need some we need some good players here that impose and and that are intimidating and I think uh, I think he's a tight end that can do that because he's a big play uh. Uh, option And he's also a really good blocker. So I think these are free agents from the two teams that uh, could be attractive. Now that we know we have a 49ers uh, coordinator coming in, an ex-49ers coordinator, it'll be interesting to see who could transition over from, uh, from that team. Uh, you know, whether it's it's to help an extra running back or a backup quarterback. I know I threw out earlier that perhaps Elway might make a move for Nick Mullins. I don't think Nick Mullins would cost a lot. And I think that he would be a really reliable backup quarterback. He, he, he's, he's won games with the 49ers, a much worse team than the, the Broncos have. And you're really only ever as good as your backup quarterback. So we need yeah. to have somebody in the on the team that can at least run the system. That's a good communicator. That has a bit of experience, and that uh, you know won't break the bank necessarily either. Uh, so you know, with with these new coaches, I think it's going to attract some interesting moves. Maybe not the flashiest moves, because these aren't necessarily the coaches that are going to make the trade for Antonio Brown. I cannot see Antonio Brown playing for Fangio, so I don't no. think we're going to be getting a lot of these flashy players. However, I think we're going to be getting a lot of um, you know good system guys that are g- going to be able to perform right away and they're, they're going to know how to perform and they're going to want to win and, and they're going to bring that uh, that culture change that we need with the Broncos so I don't know if you can think of other players that you know that you have your eye on that you'd like to see come in for the Broncos but you know to me these are a few that uh, you know the fans out there should be looking for just given the yeah. easy connection
0: I, I just want to mention too and uh, I had to look it up because I didn't know what happened because I know that he got injured at the very beginning of the year but as two years in a row, he's been injured. He's he's an injury risk, but that the 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 value of him has been uh, unreal, and his his ceiling is high. as Jake Butt? Uh, I mean, we have we have this tight end that could just be this great. I mean, it, it's two just freak accident injuries that he ends up getting to to ruin his season. But um, Jake Butt can be that guy to bring that tight end set in that we really want want to see. And I agree with you. I think I think Jesse James honestly is better than Vance. And, and as a tight end I, I remember watching some of his games he had a couple of games where he just went off and he's quick he's got hands he's quick he's got hands he's got that big body to be able to make those moves so uh th- those are both very viable options but we do have a very deep tight end uh list we just didn't we never used them so honestly we have these guys on our team we have I mean I, let me let me pull it up we have these these tight ends on our team that we just never used and we have like 4 of them and I remember every year just looking at the at when we cut down uh, after the the preseason, when we cut down, I'm always like, why do we have so many tight ends? Because we never use them. But I think that's something that we could end up using, and there might be a, a diamond in the rough there that we don't know about.
1: And, and they seem to never be able to stay healthy. Uh, Hireman got hurt. Yeah. Uh, Troy Fumagalli, oh, right. we took him in the fifth round, I believe, last year. He, he never played a snap because he got hurt in the preseason. So yeah. he's another one. He's an athletic tight end from Wisconsin. So I'm or athletic and a hard nose. He kind of does a little bit of both. So I, I'm interested to see if he fits in at all. And and, and, and that's a good point you brought, brought up Jared. I mean, we have a lot of options, but we never get full use out of them. Cause it seems like none of them can really stay healthy.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's disappointing too. And, and a guy that like Mike, uh, like Munchak coming in and that, that's going to help our blocking end on that tight ends too. And uh, that's, that's deadly. That's a deadly force when you have a great run game and a pass catching and a blocking tight end when you have both of those those things put together that it ends up being deadly and that's what they that's what the the Patriots have in Gronkowski mm-hmm. I mean the guy can block and then all of a sudden he releases and he's four yards upfield and your your linebackers caught up in the defensive ends because they thought it was a run with the play action so it's a it's a deadly combo that I think that uh we definitely could take advantage of depending on how um, how Skengarello wants to play his uh, his offense. And speaking of the offense, now,
2: you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that like Case Keenum is going to be the QB, uh, you right. know, the, this year. However, there's a few options out there that I just we have to entertain because you know who knows, really, what's going to happen at the end of the day. And a few names kind of come up. Um, I think there's the obvious ones in Joe Flacco you know that you know he's going to be released by the the Ravens and people are tying him to the Broncos apparently the uh, the Vegas odds the, the most likely team that he's going to land with is the Broncos I don't think so I think the odds are, are wrong on that um but other than Flacco we've got Teddy Bridgewater out of the Saints We've got Nick Foles with the Eagles. Nick Foles again. I, I don't think he's much of an upgrade, but still a guy there. Tyrod Taylor from the Browns. I think Tyrod is still a viable starter. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Bucks. The, the Bucks. Fitz Magic yeah. in there. I don't think Fitz Magic is going to make it. The, you know, I don't think he's going to be the guy. Uh, but you know, out of these, out of these players, these are all really decent backups. And you know, you yeah. throw Case Keenum's name in there, and it's. You know, you either get a dollar or four quarters or, you know, ten dimes. It's kind of all the same thing, but at the end of the day, do you think that Scangarello tries to lure in another veteran to bring in some competition? Do you think they just hold off, they stick with what they have and try next year for the draft? You know, Where where do you see this QB situation going?
1: Yeah, I I definitely think they get another guy. Um, Out of that list, maybe I could see, like, a Teddy Bridgewater, somebody who could probably push Case a little bit, but – is it a real threat, at least original or initially, to take his job like a Flacco would be? Um, and, and, and and it was interesting to hear in Elway's comments how case, case was a short-term fix. So, But but like you mentioned earlier, Matt, this draft, QB-wise, I've been studying the draft a little bit when it comes to QBs. You have Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. They're kind of the top two. But then after that, it kind of falls off. Drew, Drew, Drew Locke from Missouri is one to keep an eye on. Um, I did see him play live this year. Big guy. He's got a pro arm. But besides the arm, I don't I don't know. He's not very mobile. And he, he doesn't seem like to be much of a leader. I don't like the way he handles himself in press conferences. I know that's not a huge deal. I mean, as long as you win games, who cares? But he reminds me a little bit of Jay Cutler. So I don't mm. know if we want to go down that road. But there's some other quarterbacks. Daniel Jones from Duke. Um, and, and I don't know how these guys are going to grade out in the combine. There's Their stock might be top ten. By that time, but uh, a guy, Cecil Lammy, Nate, Lammy, brought up on 104.3. The fan was a Easton Stick. He plays at North Dakota State, same school that Carson Wentz came from. He, yeah. he could be a good one. He could maybe grab on day two to be a backup. Uh, could be. The guy from
2: Duke as well. I forget his name right now, but I heard he's. Uh,
1: Daniel Jones.
2: That's it. Yeah. yeah. I think he's, he's, he's a prospect as well. But you're right. There's just, you know, there's he's nobody. Him. Last year no. we were so lucky—five quarterbacks in the first round, and they all started. They were all great, you know. And, mm-hmm. and this right. year, I think we're we're gonna miss that. Um, but yep. what's interesting though is with Arizona, the first overall pick. What if like uh, what if they take Kyler Murray? Josh Rosen does he become available? Is this somebody that the Broncos can go after? You know, there there might be a lot of options that come up once we know what the Cardinals are going to be doing in the position, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think my take on this whole thing, and I kind of just want to, uh, obviously. We don't know what's going on in that war room, so I can only you know guess as just as much as you guys or just as much as 104.3 The Fan or any of these other guys that are out there. The, the, the best they could give is the, their best guesstimate here. But um, for me, I, I, I don't see us moving away from Keenum as our starter. Uh, and, and Matt, you mentioned it too. There's a lot of guys that we could bring in as far as bringing in the, for backups – and I think that's something we're gonna do. We're gonna probably, we might bring in a big name for a backup, someone like Teddy Bridgewater, right? A first round pick um, to be a backup, which which I'm fine with, and everybody, I think I'd be okay with. Um, obviously, we're still looking for that quarterback of the future, but if we try to rush that system now, we're gonna end up with another Brock Osweiler. We're gonna end up with another Paxton Lynch. Right. We're going to end up with another couple of guys that were just like we needed we needed to draft someone because we got it's caught up in this quarterback situation. Um, the one thing I really liked about this last off season was that it was the first time. And I can't remember how long. I mean, it's five years, but I got a short term memory loss um, <laughs> it, it, that, that we hadn't had a quarterback uh, controversy. Right. So and, and that's the last thing we need is a new coach to come in and start it with a quarterback controversy. I think that's just something that, that it's not going to going to fly um, unless, you know, sometime in that coaching, head coaching interview or the coaching interview with the OC, they talked to John Elway and said, this is what I want to do. And Elway was like, let's do it. Because there's always that opportunity that Elway in the back of his mind has one of these quarterbacks you mentioned um, from the draft to pick up in a late round and try to bring in. But I still don't think he starts. I think he sits under Keenum for a year. We boot Keenum to the, to the curb and, and we end up getting him, which I think Keenum's going to end up having a great year this year. I honestly I hope so. do. I, hope so. So. I think
2: it's smart to draft a quarterback um, every year. Anyway, so I think a lot of teams, they try to do that, especially in the yeah. later rounds. You never know who you're going to pick up, and it's nice try to, to have someone. some new camp arms and you know a, a sort of diamond in the rough. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see any change in the quarterback uh, position. I like to entertain it, but I don't think it's more than just entertainment really at this point. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, and we and we and we thought we had maybe a diamond in the rough and Chad Kelly, but then he had to go, you know, do, you know, <laughs> oh my you gosh, you know, I have to, I have to bring it up. I can't get through an episode without talking about getting hit with a with a vacuum tube. It's just too funny. So. Oh, oh man,
0: yeah. we we lost one of our best prospects to a vacuum tube. <laughs> yep. and so we're talking we're talking about entertaining ideas. Uh, we're talking about entertaining the idea of bringing in someone to start as opposed to Case Keenum. And I think we're both, we're all three of us are on the same page as far as you know. Let's just bring in a backup and hold on uh, to what we got, whether it be in the draft or in the free agency. What about some of these other options, right? We talked about uh, entertaining the idea that uh, Antonio Brown might be coming over. Uh, today, there was some beef with uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown over Twitter because of what Emmanuel Sanders said, said on NFL Network. Um, what, are, what are our are – we, are we squashing the entertainment value that Antonio Brown is coming to the Denver Broncos? Forget it. Yeah. Not Yeah.
1: Happening. Yeah, yeah, it's not happening.
0: Okay. I
2: cannot see Fangio Don Fangio putting up with that man. He's gonna the Antonio Brown's gonna wake up one day with a dead horse head in his bed if, if he's <laughs> the team. Man.
0: It's it's not gonna happen. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Just too much of too much of the drama that we don't want to deal with. All right. And I, and I'm gonna mention this, and I know we're all on the same page of this, but I have to mention it because I don't know if you guys know this, but I cannot stand Clickbait media. I cannot stand media that just says things to try to get viewers and try to get listeners because it's uh, against the world. Uh, what are the odds we get rid of Von Miller and try to pick up someone crazy? No
2: way, zero.
0: It can't zero. happen. If that
2: happens, you're lo- you're losing the face of the team. Like that would be the right. stupidest thing Elway would ever allow. I can't see that. I agree. Happening
1: not happen with Fangio in charge I mean no. he's gonna I think Vaughn's ready for another huge year under this guy yeah, right. and, and I'm I'm excited to see what he can do with Vaughn and Bradley Chubb I think he's gonna take oh, them yeah. to the next level and I think yeah.
2: that you know uh, Vaughn Miller was a big reason for uh, for Fangio to come to this team I don't think he goes oh, yeah. to the Broncos unless they had elite pass rushers like they had in You're Chicago right. with uh, with Vaughn uh, not Von Miller excuse me Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack. so I you know I can't see Von Miller going anywhere other than the practice field and his couch and the bank, man. That's that's what I see Von <laughs> Miller doing this year.
0: And so and so, this is a big thing, and I know we talked about it when we first hired Fangio. Uh, obviously, he hired his defense coordinator um, in uh, Donatello. Um, I know there's no O there. I'm still calling him Donatello. Um, <laughs> We, uh, we hired him. He's, he's going to be more of a linebacker's coach. Uh, you know, um, The Don's going to end up probably calling most of the defensive plays. But he does bring that same 3-4 defense with him, which plays right into the wheelhouse of Chubb and Miller, and I think that's exciting for everybody involved. And I think the, the success he's had with that 3-4 defense everywhere he's gone, including San Francisco back when he, they went to the Super Bowl um, all the way up to Chicago these past couple of years and, and now to us, I think it's just this is something exciting to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And he's had
2: success the whole way through, and he's developed great players the whole way through. And he's never been a head coach before, but that's okay. He's seen it all. You know, he's he's played with, he's coached with a lot of people too. He's seen a lot of coaches come and go, the good and the bad. So you know, the fact that he's never been a head coach is something that I really don't care about. He's just been waiting a long time to get it right, and I'm glad that he's going to do it with the Broncos.
0: Well, there's a difference between not being a head coach, never been a head coach before, and never been a head coach before, but you're only 35. Exactly. Yeah. He's right. And, 60. and he's been in the league for so long. He's seen so many head coaches. He's seen right and wrong. He knows what he wants to do. He's been there uh, day in and day out. And I think I that's different, right? I, I think that's a completely different thing than hiring someone like Vance Joseph, who was a DC for one year.
1: And I got a question for you guys. You guys know the X's and O's of football a lot better than I do, and you guys have had experience coaching. Um, it was brought up earlier uh, during his press conference last week, and or at, right after his press conference, an interesting point Brandon Stokely made. Of He brought up to the point that Fangio, that Fangio's – besides one year, he's never called defensive plays from the field. He's always been up in the box. Do, right. you, th- do you think that's something that he uses the preseason to um, get used to that? Is, or –
2: I think that's that's a really good point. I never considered that. Um, I think maybe we'll see Donatello up in the uh, up in the box and Fangio yeah. on the sideline, and he's they're going to be doing a lot of talking. Um, you know, I think given his experience, he can call plays from home, and they can still win a game.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, just just given what what he's been through, so I don't think it's going to matter that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's going to be a, it's going to be a transition for him for sure. We I wouldn't be surprised in the preseason to see him make a few bad calls on defense, and he's going to fix some wrinkles for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think. He's going to have a good squad around him that is going to be very uh, supportive, and, and you know they'll, they'll be on top of it. I can't see them making mistakes because he's not in the booth.
0: Yeah, that, that's a very good point because it is much different calling plays from a booth than calling it on the sideline. You're seeing so much more, and a lot of your distractions are, are different. And as a head coach, too, a lot of your distractions are some of those play calls you have to worry about injuries you have to worry about all this other stuff mm-hmm. that you that you have to focus on the field and the play and, and penalties and all this other stuff you can't game plan when the offense is out there because you're also trying to make sure that you're looking at down and distance and watching for penalties and play calls so the, i think the the reason uh ed donatel comes to us in the first place is because he knows exactly what uh the don fangio is looking for Right, and, and I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't know this for sure, but I would not be surprised if uh, Donatel and, and Vic Fangio sat in the booth for all of last year together, and the reason for bringing a Donatel as a DC is to put him up in the booth. Re- regardless, Donatel's going to be up in the booth this year, and the reason he's up in the booth is because that's a trusted agent of uh, Fangio. And he knows exactly what he he looks at. He's been there before. He's been there, sat there next to him, and he knows exactly what what Fangio wants to look at. And so he's his trusted agent up in the booth for anything that he's missing from the sidelines.
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that I mean, and that was a good point too, because that is that is a huge part mm-hmm. of it. But I think that the the hiring of Donatel really kind of squashes anything that, that possibly could have come with that. So yeah, it, I mean, it is a good point
2: though. Mm. And I, you know, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Donatel doing some play calling as well. You know, Fangio right. says he wants to do it right now, but, you know, it happens. You look at KC, like, Kansas City, Andy Reid calls the plays, but there's been many games where you just see Andy Reid doing his thing and it's the enemy calling the plays, you know, or it's somebody else. So, mm-hmm. you know, on these teams, I think there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of trust that comes into it. So, I, you know, yeah. I think it's going to be a bit of a shared role, but at the end of the day, these squads and these, uh, these coaches that have such a – an established system and one that's, you know, translatable is easy, easy to run with the players. I think it's going to be communication across the board. The players will need to call plays the, the coordinators will, the head coach will, and it's going to be a good streamlined system, I think.
0: All right. So we're, we're getting towards the end of the podcast here. Is there any last words on uh, the playoffs on the, the Denver Broncos on the future? Um, obviously Uh, For you guys listening, please sit down, take a second to pause us, take a second to rate us five stars or however many stars on whatever you guys are listening to. Um, You know, we really appreciate you guys listening day in and day out, and uh, obviously, uh, we'd be talking to ourselves if it wasn't for you guys. So we we really appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter. Um, uh, You know, uh, Tanner, you can go ahead and give out your what's your Twitter 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 handle?
1: It's uh, the underscore t underscore lee.
0: The underscore t underscore lee, and then I'm at coach. Uh, Jared E, I think. Um, I still only have a few followers, but uh, you know we're we're on there. Uh, you know, Kev Dan's got his Twitter now too. Uh, so make sure you guys are on. Matt, um, I don't have Twitter. Yeah, even though you're younger than me, you're too old for Twitter apparently. I
2: yeah, I I can't do the tweets. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, I, I'm like hey, it's, I I'm I've been on Instagram for like a year now, and like I think I finally got it down. So Twitter for me is it's a lost cause, man.
0: You have an Instagram but no Twitter. Correct. That is correct. Right, so, What are you taking pictures of? The bald head? Don't um, the...
2: know no, the glare off the bald head.
0: The glare. Yeah, I don't gotcha. need a flash.
2: I really don't. Oh, no, it's nice. I naturally. just angle my head and it's just, yeah. Beautiful <laughs> lighting, man. Selfies, mint.
0: Mint. Oh, you finally got the selfie down. You can't move on to the Twitter until the selfie's down first. Well, I,
2: yeah, I just can't put my opinions in in 128
0: words. No, I, don't know. <laughs> I just can't do it or characters, whatever it is. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, thank you guys all for listening. Please, please make sure you guys subscribe. Please make sure you guys rate us five stars. Um, any last words? Uh, we'll start with uh, Matt, then we'll go to Tanner. Any last words, Matt?
2: I'm so happy to have the coaches lined up. Uh, once the playoffs are over, then it's all about free agency and the draft. So it's uh, it's a lot of cool things looking um, – sorry, it's a lot of cool stuff to look forward to, really. It's exciting for everybody, so get jazzed.
0: Get jazzed. <laughs> get jazzed up, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, Tanner, what you got?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, hopefully to uh, – just from a, a football fan's perspective, two good games this weekend – uh, hopefully, hopefully, like I said earlier, the Saints come out victorious over L.A. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, like uh, like Matt said, I'm looking forward to uh, the draft and free agency and uh, get this thing rolling into a new era of Bronco football.
0: New era of Bronco football. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, we're going to bring you a lot more podcasts throughout this, the rest of these uh, off season. Expect more from uh, Tanner, Matt, myself, and uh, hopefully we'll get Jeff on here mm-hmm. as well. And uh, you know, from all of us here at Orange Weekly, thank you guys so much. Um, and in the dawn, we trust. <laughs> all you right, have guys, to. We're always going to end off. We got to end off every uh, every podcast with a go Broncos, go Broncos, go Broncos. Orange man. Orange, man. I'm